Amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I'm excited to bring this part of the sermon to you. We, we, three weeks ago, I tried to finish this sermon. How many was here and we didn't get it done? All right, a few of y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and I can't tell you how frustrated I was with myself that day. I, I did. I went home that afternoon. I was just like, oh, I, did, oh, I just preached too much stuff. You know, I, it's like I, I wanted to get a nice little timely word in that day for you and go home. And I had so much. I, I just said, you know, what? we'll finish in a couple weeks, which we're going to finish today. But how many know it wasn't a surprise to God? Not one bit. Amen. He knew exactly what the day was going to be, and he knew exactly that this is the word for today, for the house that is here today, for the people that are here today. And so if I get on your toes today, mm, it's not my fault. <laughs> Just blame Jesus, amen? And I'm, no, I'm going to get on my toes as well. But we are looking at the final part of a series that we've been calling for like a, a month and a half. We've been calling it Uncommon. And the idea of uncommon is that God has called us to live uncommon lives. As Christ followers, we're supposed to live differently. Amen? We, we don't live just like every single person that are governed by their flesh, their desires. How many know a person that has Jesus in their life, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And the Holy Spirit will challenge us and demand more from us to move forward in. And, and, and that causes us to live a separated life. Amen? And so the last few weeks, about a month and a half, we've been digging into this. And we've really been going a lot into the book of Daniel. Daniel's the book that we've been looking to see how these four young Hebrew young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we had taught you that it was Mishael and Hananiah and Azariah and Daniel, these four, and how they had in their lives a passion to live differently, a passion to live uncommon, a passion not to live eating what the king was trying to feed them, not to live doing what Babylon said was normal, but they were called to live differently. And so that's kind of how we were looking for about a, about a month and a half at those scriptures all through Daniel. These were people who refused to live defiled. They drew a line in the sand and they chose to embrace the mandated call of God on their life to live uncommon. Shout uncommon one more time. Uncommon. And I believe that mandate is still the mandate for us as Christ followers to live different than, than other people. And when I say different, I don't mean sanctimonious. And I don't mean holier than thou. You know what I mean? I mean full of the power of God. Amen? I mean, waking up in the morning with an unction in your heart to, to do something different that day than just your flesh cries out to do, or to do something different than maybe what your friends say you should do, but, but to live life in an uncommon way according to what God is telling you to do in your heart, what he's telling you to do through his word. And you can see these young men, they had seen in their national history, they had seen time and time again how the nation would rise up in defiance to God, in rebellion to God. They would mix in the profane. They would mix in those things that were foreign to what God desired for them to walk in. And next thing you know, they would come into judgment. They would come into a, a season where they were missing out on God's best for their nation. And I want you to turn your Bibles this morning over to Judges, Judges chapter 13. That's in the Old Testament. And so if you'll go over there, I'll take you a little bit of time to find it. But as you're looking for it, these were people, as they know their family, their, their national history, these young men, they saw what it looks like when you go out 
and you serve God with everything that you have, you see a difference. And when you choose to go forward and say, you know what, I don't care. I'm going to mix in the profane. I'm just going to make excuse after excuse. They could see the difference as well. And these young men, man, they wanted to separate themselves to God in uncommon purity. Say that. Say uncommon purity. That's a tough word, isn't it? When I said that word a few weeks ago, a few people choked. Purity. We don't hear purity taught in church much. And you know why? Because none of us are pure right? And so if I'm not pure, it's easy for me not to teach on purity. If I'm not sanctified, it's easy for me not to teach on sanctification, so we just won't talk about it. We'll just sweep everything under the rug, shh, right? No, God has a standard for us to rise up to, and yes, I struggle, you struggle, we all struggle, but man, God has a plan for us to rise up sanctified, set apart for his purpose for a reason, amen? And, and, and here's the thing about that. I've told you and told you and told you that we're not sanctified just from sin, we're not just sanctified from some stuff, because that's, that's when like self-righteousness gets in there, right? When you're sanctified, well, I don't smoke, I don't cuss, I don't drink, I don't chew, and God knows I don't date girls who do, you know? Well, praise your little name. Tell me, with all that, what have you done for Jesus lately? You know what I mean? Listen, we're not separated to be holy, to say, look at us. We're separated. We're sanctified not just from stuff. We're sanctified for stuff. Isn't that awesome? God has sanctified you. He separated you as holy for his purpose so that you can be this powerful agent of grace for him in the world. He has sanctified you for a purpose to fill you with the Holy Spirit so that when you go in a situation and somebody's complaining about sickness, you can say, you know what? Let's lay hands on you and believe God for a miracle. Oh, Ross, you're talking out your head. Maybe I am. That's all right, though. Amen? I just, man, I want to emulate the lifestyle of Jesus, you know? I just want that with all my heart, you know? And so with us as a church, I want us to emulate that lifestyle that, that we've not just been separated for or from some things, but God has separated us for some things, and he has called us to walk in every shout purity. purity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that's, that's tough, you know? And so the reason why purity is tough is it's so easy for us to get connected to lesser things. It's so easy for us to join ourselves to lesser things. And what we could see through all that teaching we did out of the book of Daniel was that Daniel refused to allow himself to be connected to anything more than he was connected to God or God's word over his life. Amen? And that's the mindset that we as Christ followers need to get. That Look, I'm going to struggle with sin. I get it. But I'm going to do whatever I can to walk in my connection with Jesus more and the connection with his word over my life more than what the lust of my eyes, the pride of life, and the lust of my flesh wants. And I'm in this. Everybody look to your neighbor and say, we're in this together. We're in this together. I'm in this with you. I mean, it's, it's a fight, Amen. To walk in an uncommon walk of purity, it is a fight. And so I want, I want to tell you a, a subtitle to this sermon, and, and this is the way I know the Lord had us wait on this, okay? Because here's the subtitle for today's sermon. Yes, it's Uncommon Purity is the name of the sermon, but by the end of the day, I want to teach you how to sin like a saint. Right then, some dude elbowed his wife. Woo, I love this church. Say, Pastor... Teach me, to sin teach me to sin like a saint. Like a saint. Say it one more time, Pastor. Pastor. Teach me to sin, me to sin like, a like a saint. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I know it sounds weird, but that's something that came to me about a, a few weeks ago, and it's kind of finally worked its way out to where we can teach on it today, and I really felt like it's part of today's talk, amen? And so as I said, Daniel, man, he was running away from those things that were profane. Everything that the king would lay before him that was profane, he would keep from. The food, the worship, all those things. I guarantee you, in the temple courts, he had the opportunity for the three Gs. I guarantee it. The three G's. What's that? When I was a young pastor, a man told me, Ross, always stay away from the three G's. That's the gold, the glory, and the girls. <laughs> Amen? That's a good, that's, that's, Chris, look at me. I always pick on Chris. <laughs> as you get older, as you grow, stay away from the three G's. Everybody tell Chris this. <laughs> tell Chris, say, stay away from the gold, <laughs> the girls, and the glory. Amen. You're going to be all right. You're going to make it. Amen. <laughs> I don't know, he's just so easy to pick on. I love it. It's because I'm jealous. He has a beard at 22 that I can't still grow at almost 50. I, I just, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. So I will continue to pick on you forever. So. But when it comes to our hearts, guys, this idea of purity, the opposite of it would be the profane, to pursue those things that are profane. There's just a propensity within us. We are prone to chase the profane, aren't we? Just as people, we're prone to chase the profane. And it's funny because yesterday, um, I took my littles hiking. You know, we got the little, that's our seven-year-old and our four-year-old. And if you're new here, then we got the bigs. That's our 22-year-old that's almost out of my house. And um, I'm going to have an office. Woo! Exciting. Yes. Mama told her last week, she said, now you won't mind like the, the day after you leave if we turn your room, everything has become, you know, like Amy has plans already. And she doesn't. She didn't mind because she's not coming back, so she didn't mind. And then I'm um, 19 and 17-year-olds. But, but then the littles, we took hiking yesterday, right? And it was so much fun. Arden, at four years old, she covered three and a half miles, all, almost three and a half miles all by herself at four years old. I was so proud of her. The last two, two, 200 yards or so, she had Mac carry her. So... <laughs> And we got pictures in his queue. You can go look at Facebook. And so I posted that because I thought it was so sweet. And he's schlepping his daughter, you know, or his sister all the way up this hill. I mean, clear up a hill. And I'm like, I'll help you. No, daddy, I got it. He's taking breaks. But he got her clear up to the hill. And it was so cute. And so I posted that on Facebook, to which people said things like this. Awesome family. Yeah, okay. I agree. <laughs> adorable. Yeah, pretty adorable. Such a beautiful family in every way. Okay. That's Facebook. You know, that's how that looks, right? Guys, a half hour after he carried his little sister, <laughs> we're at Cabela's, and all of a sudden, Max starts screaming because Arden was pinching the mess out of his arm. To the point that blood came up to the surface on the back of, in a sweet meat, the back of that boy's arm. I tell you all the time, she's evil. But you see the pictures and oh, it's such an adorable feel. The last thing my hands did with that girl last night was smack her bottom. Why? Because we have a propensity to chase the profane for whatever reason. I'm downstairs. Amy was out doing something. I'm sitting there trying to get anointed for today, right? And, and they're just yakking, 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 trying to put them to bed for like an hour. And finally, I'm like, guys, I've had it. Stay in your room. Stop talking. That's it. Right? 
I start hearing like five minutes later, yak, yak, yak. I sneak up the steps, but not good enough. Shoot, Matt goes running across the hall to his room from her room. You know, what are you doing? I'm sleeping, Daddy. <laughs> no, you're not like some Marvel comic that just went, you know. I saw your hiney. And so, like, you know, I go into Arden's room, and for whatever reason, he had jacked her mattress up, put stuffed animals, pillows, and she's got this elevated celiopostropedic thing going. <laughs> and she's laying there like this on it, and she looks at me, and she's like, Mac did it. <laughs> and I'm like, I said go to sleep. And then Mac, he's like, she told me to do it, but I told you to stay in your room, you know? So the last thing that he experienced from Papa last night was a pop on his rear end. Okay, and I don't care if you don't believe in spanking. You know, I have to live with my children, okay? So. It worked for Adelie, <laughs> right? <laughs> but we stopped when she was 19. We did, we did. But the thing about it is, even as those little kids, all of us, from Adam and Eve, there was a propensity for the profane. They had a garden. They had everything. Adam and Eve did. But they just had to chase after the lust of the eyes. Oh, that fruit looks so good. You know, the pride of life. I could be like God? Really? Serpent says, you'll be like God the day you eat this. I could be like God, the pride of life. The lust of the flesh. Oh, it'll satisfy my hunger. This tastes good. Try this, Adam. You know? And it went all downhill from there. And so the same way for us, the lust of the flesh, the pride of the eyes, the pride of life, it draws us, doesn't it? There's just so much stuff that tries to draw us, and it's the enemy's attempt to lock us into lesser things. If he can connect us with the impure, if he can connect us with those things beneath what God's called us to, then we will miss the best of Eden. We will miss the best of all that God has for us. And that's all the enemy wants. Guess what? The enemy already got everything taken from him, right? Well, let's stop letting him take everything from us. The only authority he has is the authority we give him. And God says, no, I've separated you not just from, but I've separated you for something. And that's what today's talk is about. That battle between the profane in line with God's best. I'll deal with that battle to walk outside of God's best or to walk in line with God's best. That battle where we find ourselves connecting with God's plan or connecting with our wants and our desires, even when we know they're outside of God's best. Oh, I can't help myself. I've got to pinch my little brother. I just oh, got to pinch him. No, you know that is not in God's best for you in that moment, Arden Rose. <laughs> so the passage we're going to look at, let's stand to our feet. Open your Bibles to Judges chapter 13. The passage we're going to look at today would have been a very common scripture as far as the storyline of this scripture to Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. They, they would have understand their national history and how time and time again they, the, the nation went after the profane and missed God's best. And in doing so, time and time again would end up in bondage and would need a deliverer, would need a judge, somebody to come along and rescue them from that bondage. And so over those four weeks that we looked at, or five weeks that we looked at Daniel and, and those young men, we, we saw them pursuing an uncommon lifestyle toward their God. And now what we're going to look at in Samson's story here in Judges chapter 13, we're going to see a message in contrast, all right? It, it's one of those things to where sometimes you look at something, you learn more what not to do from it than what to do, amen? 
And this is a message in contrast. And it's so funny, when I was young preaching, one time I had a 15-point sermon. Aren't you glad I've learned on Pharaoh and things that we can learn from Pharaoh? And the whole thing was a message in contrast. I had a man come up to me after church. He's like, Ross, that was three of the best sermons you've ever preached. So I punched him in the throat. No, I didn't. I didn't. So... <laughs> But let me ask you this question as we go into the scripture. What desires have their strongest hold on you? You know, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the, 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 the lust of the eyes. What, what are those desires that have the strongest hold on you? Think about that, all right? Because listen, when you start to make up your mind that you're going to go after God, there are some things that just aren't going to make it as you walk forward. Amen? There's some things that just have to be left in 2018, left in January or February of 2019. Today is the day that God has for you, and you're going to leave some stuff at this altar today. Amen? Amen. And so let's look here in verse 1. And the people of Israel again, shout again, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. When you see 40 often in Scripture, that is a number of judgment. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. The judgment of the Lord came upon the earth during Noah's time. And so it's speaking of this judgment that has come. There was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Father, in the next few minutes, just break this down to our hearts. Allow us to see the trick of the enemy and how he would love for us to walk into lesser things and remind us of the power, the authority, all that you have for us to move in as we live uncommon for you in the area of purity. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Have your seat. So you have Samson and Manoah and his wifey. They have this little baby and, and they have been commissioned by God to cause this child to be raised as a Nazarite. Now, a Nazarite was somebody who had a strong commitment to live a standard of living that not other people lived. And the standard was this. One, you wouldn't cut your hair, okay? Number two, you wouldn't touch anything that came from the fruit of the vine. So you wouldn't even touch a grape, let alone wine or anything like that, all right? Number three, you would never touch anything that was a dead animal or a dead thing, okay? And then finally, when it comes to it, you, you would not profane yourself by going and mixing with the Philistine women or any others that were not of the tribe, that were not Jewish. You're just not going to do that. And so as a Nazarite, this is the call upon his life. And God had chosen that for Samson, not to take from him joy, but he chose that to separate Samson for himself. To, 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 to put a call upon Samson to make Samson a mighty man that would be able to be used of God for great and mighty things. And so from the time Samson was young, he had heard things, in a sense, said to him, stay true to your Jew. In other words, eat right. Don't touch this. Don't go with that. You know, stay strong. I've made a commitment with you. But eventually he found himself lying in the lap of Delilah and all that he was called to be, 
All that he was separated for was put into jeopardy. And man, it's no different when it comes to our life. God has so much in store for you. God has so much in store for you. Amen? He has so much plans for us. And the enemy just wants to... You know, the Bible says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen? And, and I really believe this. If he can't cause you to go to hell, he'll still try to steal, kill, and destroy some stuff in your life. Amen? Steal potential. Steal, steal lasting contentment. Steal, tr steal true joy. Steal purpose. He loves that. You know why? Because he's already been defeated. And so he wants to foster that defeat in others. And so here we see that he was separated. Samson separated for a, a reason. So how did Samson get to the point that he was laying in the lap of Delilah? How did he get to the point that he was missing out on the call that God had on his life? Go over to chapter 16. While you turn to 16, I'm not going to put this on the, scripture, on the screen. I just want you to hear this. In verse 16, it says this. Samson went to Gaza... And there he saw a prostitute, and he went into her, saith the Lord. Check this out, all right? Samson went to Gaza. And I have this deep revelation about this scripture. Are you ready for this deep revelation? If you don't go, you won't end up there. Everybody shout, deep. <laughs> That's deep. If you don't go, if you don't go, you won't end up there. He, he went to Gaza. And he ends up there, and then he goes in to the prostitute. But that's not where he was supposed to go. But the profane has such a draw on him. And so where does it start that he's losing it all? It started with him flirting with the profane. And it's the same in our lives. It doesn't wholesale. The enemy doesn't wholesale get us overnight. He starts in our hearts, causing us to, to, to flirt with the profane. Now watch what it says. It says, And they surrounded the place, and they set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. So the people, the men of the city, they hear of him in with the prostitute, and there at night, they're setting an ambush for him. You know what this teaches us? This teaches us nothing good happens at night. Can I give you guys some real practical advice? If you are single, and I don't care if you're 20, I don't care if you're a 57-year-old lady dating a 70-year-old man, all right? I'm telling you this right now. Set yourselves a curfew. Amen? It was hard for Amy and I to do anything much butt neck on the couch before we got married when she had to be home at 11 o'clock. Just being honest. But, Pastor, we're adults. I know. I understand you're adults. I get that. Set yourself a curfew. Because here's what happens, young people. I'm going to say young people, but single folk. Let me just say that. What happens is you start to get tired in your physical body. You start to get tired in your, 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 your mind. Your spirit starts to get tired. It starts to get late, and you start to get handsy. Come on, somebody. That's people laughing. They got handsy before. No, 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 no. I'm just being honest. It's the truth. And it's not that you're a bad person. You're not. It's that you're human. It's that you're ardent, pinching the mess out of your brother. It's in our nature to chase the profane. That's, it's just in our nature. So you've got to create means by which to say, this is a standard, and I need some help to fix and live up to that standard. And so that was something that Amy and I, thank God her curfew was 11, but had we dated at 26, 27, 28, we still would have set a curfew. Why? Because I... I couldn't have trusted her without that. Yeah. 
And you can quote me on that. No, we would have. Can I, can I give you some more practical truths, singles? Is that okay? Yeah. All right, all right. This is fun, okay? Don't lay down on top of each other when you kiss. And you know what you're going to You're like, oh, he's done meddling. He's gone to meddling now. He's not preaching. He's meddling. No, I'm just saying, on top of each other kissing, it don't take too much longer, y'all. I'm just saying, you know. Yeah. That's a good rule to have. You, you kiss vertical. <laughs> or as vertical as you can be, okay? <laughs> Because it's true, you know? Man, I feel like just preaching truth up in here. It's supposed to feel good. All of it. Shout all of it. All of it. It's supposed to be awesome. In his time. In his time. And when it's in his time, man, it's awesome. And it's awesome for years. And it's awesome for a long It's, it's just amazing. Amen? In his time. It doesn't bring the shame. It doesn't bring all the stuff. The enemy, all the way back to Adam and Eve, they were naked and ashamed. And the enemy of their hearts tried to beat them up with that. And he still tries to beat up, up with that when it comes to sexual things, doesn't he? So that's just one for you, all right? How about one more? Is that okay? Here and stay. Everybody, hand. <laughs> Go right here, like on your waist. This is a good spot. Okay. Go on your shoulders. Okay. Hand stay on waists and shoulders. And Pat heads. Maybe rub necks. Truth of matter, like, like, like no hands going any place they're not supposed to go. Up, down, under. No. Wrong prepositions. Up, down, under. Bad prepositions. Okay? Over. Good preposition. Just, just over the shoulder. Amen? So, okay, so I'm going to stop with all that. <laughs> For some reason, it was more uncomfortable in this service talking about that than in the first. And I figure it's probably just because you guys needed it more. <laughs> I don't know. Just how that, it's just how that virtue, when it flowed, it's just how that felt to me. It just felt like it was hitting the target, you know, like right now. So, but, all right, I'll, I'll stop. But, but I'm just being honest. Set some parameters. If you're single, it's hard. It's not easy. I get that. Just set some parameters, okay? And you know what? I mean, there's all, that, the, the, this is not a sermon on sex today, amen? It's a sermon on all those things that we struggle with, all right? The lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of flesh. It draws on us different ways. But the truth of the matter is, man, we're like a four-year-old. We're just so prone to chase the profane. Now, here's what's wild about this. Does God give up on you when you're chasing the profane? No. When you look at this story, he's in with that prostitute, catch wind that the ambush is being set. He literally gets up, goes out to the city gates, shakes himself, and moves in the power of the anointing of God in that moment, rips the gates and the post off the city, and runs to the top of the hill, looks down on Gaza and the men, and shakes this thing at him. You know? The gate. I mean, it's, it's just so awesome. Dude, God's power was still there until it wasn't. Amen? God's power. And that's one of those things where we get into the trap. But, but, but listen how I preached. Listen how I sang. Listen how I parented. Listen how I worked. Listen how I did this. But I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I still have all this power, and I still have all this. Yeah, but at some point, you're going to see here in his story that he went to shake himself. And what he was used to doing to kind of bring forth the unction of the Holy Spirit, he did, and nothing happened. Amen?
the enemy would love that for our hearts. But there was still a glimpse of greatness that you could see. You could still see the favor of, of, of God on this guy, but it just gets deeper. Say, so it gets deeper. Listen, go to chapter 16, verse 4. We're going to see here. If we lay in the lap of Delilah, here's what will happen, all right? Number one, it will bind you if we lay in the lap of Delilah. Verse 4, after this, he loved the woman. So after he was to the prostitute and doing all those things, now he's come back. He's loving this woman in the valley of Sarek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came upon her and said to her, seduce him. See where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him that we may bind him to humble him and we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your strength lies and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. And so we begin to see that he starts to play a game with this, this, this sin, this enticement. He starts to play a game. And, and he's telling her, well, if you do this, I'll be bound. And so if you have seven fresh bowstrings and you put them upon me, it'll bind me. And she did that. And all of a sudden, he rises up and breaks the bowstrings off, you know. Well, if you take some, some new rope and you put those and you bind me up with new rope, when, when that happens, you know, I'll lose my strength. And so she does this and he breaks them off, you know. Finally, I'm thinking this woman's crazy. What in the world does he continue to date her? But... Third thing, the woman keeps trying to, like, take his strength. Good night, you know. Third thing, you know, if you take my hair and weave it into the loom, what will happen is you'll be able to set me, you'll, you'll be able to come upon me and take my strength. And I love the picture of that, man. He shakes himself again, busts the loom all to pieces as he rips his hair out of the loom, and, and he is back to being strong again in that moment. You know, it wasn't something that took his strength. But here's the thing, if you play long enough, It'll start to trap you. He's laying the lap of Delilah, and it's getting to a place where it's going to trap him. For most, when it does come to sexual struggles and the shame that comes with it, it starts in puberty, starting to play around with some of those things. And the pathway to the pleasure center of the brain takes place. You have a pathway to the pleasure center of the brain, and endorphins travel that pathway. And that release of endorphins, you feel great, okay? The problem is it's the same kind of release of endorphins that takes place when you have drug use, okay? But the problem with drugs is drugs actually destroy that pathway forever. Harsh drugs do. And those pathways become destroyed. What happens with sexual sin, it widens the pathway. It doesn't destroy it. It just widens it, and it becomes the easiest, quickest way to pleasure, and all other things pale in comparison and next thing you know you have this pathway this neurological pathway that allows you to find pleasure quickly 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 and it seems like there's just no other way it's just this is the what this, basically we train our mind to follow after our bodies rather than our spirits and over time it's the easiest road to satisfaction and so that's one of those things where as you know man those things can lead to greater shame greater struggle and cause greater um, robbing of us and so that's what's happening with him. He's laying the lap of Delilah, and he's just playing this game. It gets worse. Look at verse 15. If you lay in the lap of Delilah too long, it will allow the enemy to attack you. Verse 15, and she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You've mocked me these three times, and you've not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death, and he told her all his heart and said to her, A razor's never come upon my head, for I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I'll become weak and be like any other man. He tells her the truth. 
And with that, you can see that he's vexed by her. That's what temptation does to us. It comes every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. Every day. You get vexed in your soul. Oh, man, the, the, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. Every day. Whichever thing it is, every one of us in this room has something that tries to pull us into that, that cycle of struggle with sin. And, and, and here what we see is this attack. If you allow yourself to get in her lap too long, the attack will come. And as he's laying there, they come and they cut, she cuts his hair off as he sleeps. She cuts his hair off. And in the ancient cultural time of this period, your hair was a symbol of your glory. Can you imagine this guy, what he probably looked like? I mean, this is a guy who literally took the jawbone of an ass and killed a thousand men with it. He was a bad mamma jamma. He's picking up that, that gate of the city and holding it up. I mean, this, is, this, is, this guy is something. And all that glorious hair, his glory, man, just gets cut off. And I just think in our lives, as we lay in the lap of Delilah, what are we losing? What's being cut and what's being stolen and robbed from us? God's best that he wants to manifest in our life. What is it that is being taken from us? The problem with sin is it will end up taking more from you than you ever expected. And it starts to take integrity. It starts to take honor. It starts to take lasting joy. It starts to take real, true contentment. That's what sin does. And so we can see here in this story, laying there long enough, next thing you know, we start to become attacked. Number three, we lay in the lap of Delilah too long. In verse 20, it'll take your vision. You hear that? It'll take your vision. Watch this. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep, and he said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Wow. Good night. The Philistines are coming against him. And he shakes himself. And he grabs that, that donkey bone. And he goes after him. You know? The, the, he's laying in the lap of Delilah and the ropes are on him. And he shakes himself. And he sets himself free. Even his hair weaved into the loom. He shakes himself. And he sets himself free. Every single time he thought, I can just do what I've always done. I'll just go to church and get the same shout I got last week. Nobody will have to know the difference. I'll just do the same thing I've always done. I'll just shake myself the same way. But this is teaching us. Now, I'm not saying he's not one of God's children. I'm not saying we're on our way to hell. I'm not saying that because of sin. Amen? Amen? What I'm saying is, I don't want to get to a point where I shake myself and I have no power to back it up. You know? Same way with you. I don't, I don't want us to lose what we have in the lap of Delilah because we are not living uncommon lives in the area of purity. You know, and when it comes to those things, when you're blinded by sin, when you're in those situations, you can't see the plan God has for you. It's, sometimes it's difficult. When you're so headlong pursuing a sinful choice, yeah, I'm not saying it's hard to hear God's will concerning your life. I'm saying it's almost impossible to hear God's will concerning your life. Until there's some brokenness, this. Watch what difficult. And man, the enemy would just love nothing more than to cause us to have no vision. Watch this. Watch what happens. He didn't know the Lord had left him, and the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles, and he ground at the mill in the prison. It left him with no vision, and it left him acting like a slave. Not a son, but a slave. One that was in bondage. And man, I just want to declare in this room, no, you're a son. 
You're not a slave. Amen? You're a child of the living God. You're a son and a daughter of God. You're not a slave. You're not a servant. You are a son. And it all comes back to relationship because from the very beginning, the enemy looked at Adam and Eve and said, the day you do this, you'll be like God. The day you do this, you'll be on their level. The day you do this. No, he was questioning the relationship. They should have rose up right then and said, I already have everything I need in Jesus. I already have everything I need in God. I have everything. Look at this Eden. Look at all that God has given me. I don't need one thing that you can give me, say. Not one thing, but we have a propensity to chase the profane. Always. So it comes back to that relationship. And the enemy of your heart wants you to doubt who you are in Christ. He wants you to have those struggles with sin and, and just doubt who you are in the Lord. And the reason why is because he just loves, loves, loves to introduce shame into the equation of our life. If you remember Adam and Eve, they were naked. They realized they were naked and ashamed. He loves to introduce that shame cycle in our lives. And so I want to ask you as we go into this next section, what desires have their strongest hold on you? What is it in the area of the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh that you just seem at times to walk in a cycle of shame? It comes upon you. It seems like you can't shake it. What might that be? That, that thing where, where the enemy said to Adam and Eve, the day that you take of this, you'll be like God. You'll be fulfilled. You'll be satisfied. This is the pathway to pleasure. You'll have all that you want right now in this moment, the day that you take of it. And they were filled with the lust of the eyes. The Bible says that that fruit looked good to them. They were filled with the lust of the flesh. They wanted it to eat. They were filled with the pride of life. We could be like God. I could find greater contentment apart from God. I could have what I want because the way I want it is right now and I want this now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what they moved into. But they went into that sense of, of, of shame. We're naked and ashamed. And the Lord gave me something a few weeks ago in our small group that I'm in. You know, we just started dialoguing and all this stuff started coming out. And I started writing things down that day and I kept adding to it. And I'm not going to teach into this long today, but I want you to know God wants to break you out of the shame cycle. All right? Yeah. And so I want to teach you real quick as we go to a close how to sin like a saint. Amen? And so we can see when it comes to struggling with sin, whatever it might be, it'll leave you feeling naked and ashamed. Naked and ashamed. This is sin right here. And when it comes to how we deal with sin, there's the wrong side and there's the right side and how we're going to deal with sin the right side all right and so so often what the enemy wants to do he wants to pull us back every time he can to the wrong side when it comes to us struggling with sin i want to be honest anybody here in the last month struggle with sin raise your hand praise god and the ones with their hands down you just did now because you're a liar <laughs> okay so every one of us in this room has struggled and here's what the enemy does the wrong side he'll try to bring condemnation to us you know you're no good you're a loser you know why do you even go back to church all those people are perfect you know it's not true that's how the devil talks you have no place there what in the world they don't want you da, 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 so, on, so, on. so condemnation comes but on the right side man it's a beautiful thing that God brings to us he brings on this side conviction conviction so sinning like a saint the enemy's gonna try to make you feel condemned no I'm not gonna walk in condemnation but I am gonna walk in conviction I feel that guilt, or I feel that sense of, of wrongdoing. Lord, that's not condemnation. God, I receive that as conviction. Thank you, Lord. 
But what the enemy wants to do is he wants to do this. He wants to take your condemnation and turn it into shame and guilt. Shame and guilt. That's what he wants to do. Calls all that condemnation just to make you feel shameful and guilty. Check out of things that are spiritual. Maybe even go deeper into the sin because that's what we do when we feel really shameful and guilty. That cycle just continues. That's not what God wants for us as believers. When we struggle with sin as a saint, amen, that's what I mean by sin like a saint. When we struggle with sin like a saint, embrace that beautiful conviction and go into the idea of repentance. Oh, no, contrition. Contrition and brokenness. Okay? Contrition and brokenness. What is contrition? That's, that's that, that heart that's broken before the Lord. A contrite spirit God will not reject. You know, that's the passage like in Psalms uh, 51 where, where David's saying, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. Blot out my transgressions. Against you, you only have I sinned. I've done this evil in your sight. He was talking about the murder of Uriah. He was talking about the adultery that he had with Bathsheba. Nathan the prophet got in his face and said, King, you're wrong. And in the middle of it, he didn't just walk in condemnation. He moved over into conviction. You were right. And he began to go into a place of brokenness. And later in that scripture, he says to God, crying out, Create in me a right spirit, O God. Create, clean, clean my heart, O God. Wash me and make me whole, O God. He starts to go after God with a sense of brokenness. But you know what the enemy would love for us? He doesn't want us to move into that brokenness. Here's what the enemy loves is shame and guilt. And then shame and guilt leads us to the martyrdom, the martyrdom of self. The martyrdom of self. I'm so bad. I'm so awful. I can't believe I've done this again. And forgive me. I'm just such a mess. I'm so bad. I'm so awful. And somehow as we martyr ourselves, it's supposed to make us feel better about our sin. But it doesn't, does it? just cycles back to shame and guilt. So you can see what happens. The enemy, if he can't get you, he'll just try to keep pulling you into this cycle of shame and guilt. That's what he'll do. But I'm not going to allow myself to deal with shame and guilt and go at this with the martyrdom of self, not when I have the sacrifice of Christ. Amen? That's a good place to shout right there. The sacrifice of Christ in my life. He paid the penalty. He paid the price. I appropriate that forgiveness by coming to him with that conviction and with that contrition and brokenness. And I come to his sacrifice and I look at it and I say, I'm undone. Forgive me, Father. Forgive me. What is that? That's repentance. Amen? Amen. That's repentance. But guess what the devil would love to do in your life? When it comes to you facing sin. He doesn't want you to walk in repentance. Because there's forgiveness that comes from repentance. There's strength that comes from repentance. The Bible says there's refreshing that comes from repentance. He loves for you to go from this martyrdom of self into justification. But you know what? It was my girlfriend. You know what? It was my boyfriend. You know what? If I, it was how I was raised. If I wasn't raised that way, I wouldn't act this way. You know what? It was in my environment. You know what? And you've heard me say this before. I wasn't raised in church like y'all, you know? Yeah, but you've been saved 15 years. 15 years. You could have two doctorates in Jesus by now. 15, 15. I'm sorry. Justification. That's what the enemy would love us to get into. Can you see how this is how we dealt with sin when we were a sinner? The enemy just wants you to forget you're a saint. That's all. He wants you to get back into this because he's trying to tell you, no, you're a sinner. No, you're a sinner. No, you're a sinner. No, no I'm a saint. 
that sins. But I'm a saint. Everybody shout that. I'm a saint. Well, thank you. Justification. That's what we do. But no, God says repentance. Now watch this. The fruit of justification, you know what that is? The fruit of justification is further failure. That's all, that's all justification will lead you to. There's no power in justification. There's power in repentance. There's no authority in justification. There's authority in repentance. Amen? But, that, but that, 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 the, the enemy would love for us to do this. You know what comes from the fruit of repentance? The fruit of repentance is what? Forgiveness. Amen? Paid for. Done. Over. Forgiveness. I love that. And, then, and someday I might teach on this really long, but today I just want to give you the tidbits of it. In Adam and Eve, he tries to do it in our hearts as well, and he tries to introduce the shame. Let's stand to our feet. He tries to introduce the shame to us and calls us to sin like this on this side. The problem with that, if we allow him to do that, he will continue to steal, kill, and destroy because further failure, guess what it leads to? Destruction. Leads to destruction. But you know what repentance leads to? You know what forgiveness leads to? You know what the sacrifice leads to? It leads to restoration. Amen? So your pastor didn't come in here today to say, look at you, you sinners, you awful people. No, I came in here today to say, through Jesus, you're restored. Amen? If you want this chart, you can go on our app, www.mymomentumchurch.tv. Go to today's sermon. Do you know that all our notes for the sermon are always in there? Oh, yeah. You can get all that information if you want that. Because you can't read my writing, I know. Man, can you see that? That's why we want to live on common lives of purity. Not so we can say, look at us. Not at all. So we can move in the power that God has for us. So what I want us to do right now is just take the time, go back in one more worship song, and let God speak to your heart. During this song, we talk about clean in this song. He's going to clean our hearts. There may be, during this song, something you want to repent from. You can do that in the altar of your seat. You can do that at the altar up here. Or even standing in the altar of your heart. You can do that. But I want you, whatever it might be right now, that you may be saying, man, it's just got too much of a hold on my life. I want you to give it to the Lord today. Amen? Let's worship.
This song just reminds us that, that God's not through with us yet. No matter what you've been through, the blood of Jesus covers those sins. And even with Samson, God wasn't through with him yet. Let's go back one last time and just see how the end of the story happens. They had seized him. They had gouged out his eyes. It couldn't have got worse, really. And when it comes down to verse 22, it says, But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Everybody reach up. You feel that hair right there? Some of you not so much. Imagine him blind, acting like a slave, not a son. But he knows what's upon us. He reaches up and he feels that. And that hair's coming. And he realizes, man, the power of God. God's never left me. Even in my sin, he's never left me. Even in my undoing, he's never left me. I can't even see right now. But God can still get glory out of me. I've had so much brokenness in my life, Ross. How could God ever get one thing good out of this? Oh, watch. Yes, he can. I feel my hair coming. Amen. Woo. So he tells them they had a party. And he tells them, take me to the party. They're going to worship the God Dagon. And there's 3,000 men that are on the roof of this facility. And all, shout all, all of the lords of the Philistines are there present as well. Every single demonic force authority. And, and I got to thinking about that. There are principalities and powers, demonic forces that would love to cause you to be robbed for life. But guess what? God has given you the strength. You may not feel like it yet, but your hair is coming. Amen. And God's giving you strength to bring destruction to every Lord that tries to raise his name above the name of Jesus in your life. And he says, just take me out there and place me between the pillars. And so they did, and they made jest of him. And the Bible says they, they were entertained by him. This blind Jewish guy used to be a, a mighty man. They knew the stories. And they set him there. And all of a sudden, he prayed one more prayer. And he shook, <laughs> he shook himself one more time. Somewhere in that place, that place where he was at in blindness, he realized, you know, I might not be able to see with my natural eyes, but I can see the call of God that's always been on me. And I will finish my life moving in the call that God's given me. In the middle of that, he could see what was good. Just place me there amongst those pillars. And he prayed a simple prayer, God, one more time. And he pushes the pillars. And in that moment, all those people came to death. It says that he actually destroyed more people in that moment of his death than he ever did when he was alive. In that moment, God got his victory. And I'm just saying this, man, I don't want us to wait till everything is gone at the end. Amen? But I do need you to hear that part of the story and be reminded no matter what sin you've struggled with, your failure is not final. Amen? Amen? Right now, if there's something you're struggling with, just place it in your heart. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just ask for my friends that are here, those who need you as Savior of their life, man, let them come to you today and just begin a relationship with you, Jesus. It's the most amazing relationship ever. For those of us that are struggling with something right now, we lay it at your feet. Lord God, we refuse to lay in Delilah's lap. We refuse to play the game. We refuse to allow ourselves to be in a position where you, the enemy can attack us. We refuse, in the name of Jesus, to allow ourselves to be in a place where we become blind to the vision you have for us. But Lord God, no matter where we're at on that journey, that continuum, that spectrum, we know failure is not final. 
And we give everything to you in Jesus' name. Have your secret. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.